Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Believe in Lions. I'm your host, Derek Oakry, right here on the Believe Podcasting Network, and that's spelled B-L-E-A-V. It's Detroit's number one sports podcasting network. I believe in the Lions, and by the end of this, so will you. And I'm so excited today to have on a special guest. Let me give some of his accolades right off the top. This guy is writing for Sports Illustrated, Lions Maven. He he has another website he does all types of work and writing for. It's called lionlowdown.com. He's got 20,000. Yeah, you heard me right. 20,000. Oh, baby. 20,000 Twitter followers. You can hear him on the huge show. He's also been on Fox Sports. He's got live appearances everywhere talking Lions football. I mean, he's basically just the man. Logan Lamarandier is uh, nice enough to come on Believe in Lions. We're really happy to have him. Logan, what's going on, my man? <laughs> wow, quite the intro. Thank you. I'm uh, doing great. Oh, man, it's always great to talk to you. I know, you know, me and you sometimes are shooting the uh, DMs on Twitter, trying to talk Lions football with our crazy busy schedules. So it's fun to get you on the show for a bit and talk about this football team, man. We're in the offseason. We're heading to 2020. Got some things I want to throw at you today. And uh, like I say, just what we do, man, we talk football on this show and have a bunch of fun doing it. So you ready to jump into it? Ready when you are. So, Logan, my first question, this is a timely question. So the Detroit Lions are coaching the Senior Bowl. We got Matt Pat. We've got some of the new coaches down there. But the talk of the day, the the news that's been out has been really almost nothing to do with the actual players at the Senior Bowl. It's more about Matt Patricia mic'd up. This guy, they put a live mic on him. And, man, the guy with the sensor button, the seven-second delay guy, was very busy. I mean, Patricia was getting after players, dropping some MFs, dropping some bleeps. But he also was coaching these guys hard, having a little bit of fun with them. My question to you is, I'm sure you've heard this, probably seen a little bit of it. I'm curious on your thoughts. Like, we've heard the stories about him being a hard head coach and some players having trouble adapting to his style from Caldwell. But do you think this is going to bear fruit here in the long run? Do you think it's running some people off? Is it, is it too in your face? What's your thought on Matt Pat's coaching style? Well, I think all the expletives and the profanity, if you followed along closely, you always knew that was kind of his coaching style. And if you're ever in Allen park or been to those open training camps, you you hear all that and that's just kind of who he is and that's his coaching style. So yeah, I, for him to agree to be mic'd up, uh, you have to wonder the questioning behind that. It's, it's great right. audio, but at the same time, yeah, it's a lot of work for that editing guy or the, the drop button guy to be muting out all those 
those curse words. And uh, so that part, I mean, I, I don't mind it. That is football. That's pretty much NFL. Uh, it's pretty much universal, I feel like. That's most coaches. Now, maybe it wasn't so much Caldwell style, but, you know, most of these guys have grown up playing for coaches, probably a lot like Patricia, that are, you know, really tough. And there's a reason that, you know, football players are known to be tough and that that stuff shouldn't bother them. But maybe some players that rubs them wrong, the wrong way a little bit where they would like more of a player's coach. So, yeah, maybe it maybe it could alienate a few players. And that, there's a reason there's a certain personality that I think Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are always looking for. But they want guys that truly care about the game and want to get better. They don't want people who uh, don't take well to criticism or can't respond uh, to that type of coaching. So it's it's a fine line, and there's definitely – players it works for and maybe some that don't like it as much but at the same time it's just like that's football you you want players that feel like or that that shouldn't bother them that they're there to play football and they're there to get better and ultimately the coach and the players on the same have the same goals and they're just trying to get better so if that's the way that Patricia relays his message and a guy doesn't like it well maybe it's not the team for you but hopefully it just it doesn't alienate too many players yeah, I'm there with you. Like I, I kind of said on some other platforms earlier this week that, you know, to me, the Reverend Jim Caldwell is the unicorn in this situation. He's the uh, nice guy, the guy that just uh, stands there with his arms crossed and and kind of treats the players in the way that he does. Uh, Matt Patricia's way, the, the yelling, the screaming, the getting after people is kind of more the norm. I agree with that. I also think that you know, he's not going to get after you if you do things well. <laughs> like, I think yeah. if you're screwing up, he's coming after you. If you're doing well, he's probably going to pump you up and, and and make you an example for the rest of the players out there. So I, I think you're right. I think they've spent two years now kind of shipping the guys out where it did not uh, fit their style, their personality, whatever it may be. You kind of danced around it a little bit. Do you think it will work? I I I can't argue the record with people, but I'm kind of looking past, looking at players, looking at what he's been working on building, which, again, the first year to me was a definite wash. The second year was disappointing, but we know there was a litany of injuries. Do you think here in year three and hopefully more that this type of coaching, this type of culture, as they always say, will work in Detroit? Well, I think it'll work because it's worked so many other places. But, you know, just a coaching style or like, you know, me saying that using profanity and yelling guys and, you know, cussing them out. I mean, that's it's worked elsewhere. But I think a lot of it, if it works in Detroit, you know, it's going to be more of just coaching in general as is Patricia overall, his style and his scheme. Uh, I think it's more than just how he coaches the players. Cause I, I think that's pretty common for a lot of coaches to be, to coach like that. That's the way it was brought up, you know? I, um, so yeah, I think that style can work, but it's two different things in my mind about, you know, the way Patricia coaches and more of the scheme. Like those are two separate things. Yeah. Yeah. Good point there. It's, you know, the, the yelling, the, in your face, it, there still has to be good players, good scheme, good game day adjustments, all that type of stuff to get W's. But I, I really think, you know, the turning of this culture, bringing in a guy like him with his temperament, his, you know, winning background, 
I think it can still pay off in the long run. I think a lot of people have him out the door already. You know, they're thinking, why are we wasting 2020 with when we just know we're going to have a new coach? Like, you don't know you're going to have a new coach. Like, you could definitely put together a great free agency, a great draft. Um, The other players that were young are now in their first, second, maybe even third year coming around the bend here. I mean – I think you you make a good point that the style is one thing, but kind of like what they do, not only on game days, but, it you know, at practice, in the meeting rooms, that's really going to equate to W's hopefully in 2020 and moving forward, I would hope. Yeah, and, you know, you look at, I think a, a lot of the national media uh, kind of criticism of the Lions practices in general is just more, it wasn't as media friendly as I think they wanted to on the first day where there wasn't as many one-on-ones, uh, just all these scenarios where you can uh, measure up guys, just mano a mano, you know, left tackle versus a defensive end. I think the lions pretty much did their standard practice that Matt Patricia would do with the lions in the first day. And that was another reason where I think a lot of, uh, you know, just draft pundits and the media, all were like, oh, I don't know if we don't really like this, but I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think today changed a little bit with just the, the way they did things. It was a little bit more uh, geared towards players showing off what they can do and one-on-ones and uh, easier to evaluate because that's what it comes down to. This is The Senior Bowl is one big giant evaluation tool for all the NFL teams and for, you know, couch GMs like myself who just want to watch these players to see what they have. It's tough to do when they're just going through a routine practice that you would do before a game. So that was another criticism I heard, but again, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, You know, I think even they were saying the same thing about the 49ers last year when they did first did practice, they they had the same complaints. And then look at where the 49ers are at now. Right. And that that's kind of been the positive uh, comparison is that the 49ers thought they had a good football team. Quarterback got hurt. Lots of injuries. Uh, what they win uh, four games? I think the previous year picked uh, number right. two, number two overall, flipped their roster. And like you said, the same thing was said, man, what, what are these practices? What are these guys doing at the senior bowl? Hey, here's my let me let me cue up my music here. I got a little half conspiracy here. So <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, I think when you're saying, like, these guys are saying, what are the Lions doing? This is about showing off their talents. Are you telling me that there's not a chance the Lions said, screw all these other teams and these scouts? Like, we're coming down here to coach and to see if these guys can play Detroit Lions football. If they can get through a Lions practice, if they can deal with the way that we're going to coach in 2020, and the ones that can and the ones that shine under that environment are guys we're going to put a, a blue check mark, a, a red asterisk next to on the draft board, and maybe guys that we go get. I mean, it may be a selfish thing saying we're going to do it our way because we're trying to get the leg up here. We're trying to evaluate more so than, hey, we're just out here to do a pony show for all you other 31 teams. Exactly. And I, I was going to say the same thing. That's. I, if I were Matt Patricia, I wouldn't care about what other people think. I want to evaluate the players the way I evaluate them, see if they fit in that Detroit Lions culture, and, yeah, have know the inside and outside details of these players that other teams can't get, and you do have a leg up, and you want that. You want to – if you're going to be coaching the Senior Bowl, you should take full advantage and use it to your advantage and be a little bit selfish. It shouldn't just be all about uh, trying to show off what other for other teams or anything like that it should be 
what you want to do and if these guys can fit in it. And it's on the other teams to figure out and do their own research and look at the film if their player matches up or fits in their scheme. So I'm I'm selfish being a Detroit fan. It's like, yeah, Matt Patricia, do whatever you need to do and figure out what you need to figure out. I wouldn't worry about what other people want. That's not that's not on you. You were asked to coach a senior bowl and you're doing it. Right. And the last thing I want to say is, so there was a lot of reports. There was even that interview that came out about how Matt Patricia dealt with the players. And I think the word was, you know, he comes in and he feels like he's the alpha. When I heard him mic'd up, that's the impression I got. This guy is wired for winning. This guy is in your face, no sugar coating, but anything he said when he was teaching players how to uh, get off blocks, when he was telling people, Hey, we need that quarterback center exchange. None of it rung hollow. None of it was like, oh, that doesn't make sense why he's frustrated with that. Same with a few other clips you'll see online. It was like this guy was just amped up to coach football. He, It was the first time I really got to hear the alpha personality, the big dog in the room, the guy that, hey, you're coaching guys that are 300 and 300 plus pounds that can move that are all alpha males as well. You got to have some of that moxie. You got to have some of that gusto when you talk. And I felt like he did it in the way, like we all know that high school coach that had that. And that also would rib you and get after you and figure out who you were as a person and kind of come at you, but also was, was one of the best, um, you know, almost people you could have when you needed it, you know, when something was going wrong. When the team was doing well, he put your arm around. What does Matt Patricia say when the Detroit Lions win ball games? He steps up to the podium and says, all the credit goes to the players. They busted their tail. They worked hard. They really gave a great effort, and they won the ball game. So all these people that act like, oh, he only gets after you in a negative sense, no, I've seen him do the opposite as well. So I like the mix. I really think it's different probably than the Lions have had the past decade or two or even longer. But I think it's a winning mix of if you screw up, I'm coming at you. If you do great, you're going to help us get where I'm trying to get this organization to. Yeah, and that's definitely the case because you can't have someone that's always just being negative all the time and a coach that's always coming at you, coming after you for everything. And then when you do something good, you know, it's kind of just like, okay, yeah, you did your job and not go the other way. You do. If you're if you're going to dish it out, you also have to give the compliments and the praise at the same time. It's it's. Otherwise, yeah, you're you're probably going to alienate a lot of the veteran players if they're just getting their chops busted all the time and then they feel almost disrespected that they're not being appreciated or they're not getting their their due, you know. It's like so it it's all depends on the player. It's it's such a tough situation to really talk about because there are so many different responses to this type of coaching and I I don't mind it, but again, that's that's just me there's plenty of other players out there who think yeah we're professionals we don't need this you know we should be um respected we don't need to be yelled at i understand that but at the same time you're coaching i think a lot of a lot of these guys probably respond well to being coached hard like patricia does Yep, I'm with you. I, I think here in the third year, it, it may flip. It may come to fruition. It also may be the type of people that will now be in that locker room are the type of people that do get motivated by that and do um, know what they have to do to to win. And we'll see what happens. You know, he needs to win ball games, no doubt about it. But I think his coaching style will be a hot button um, here in the next week or so with all these things coming out. But it's all about what you do uh, next fall. Um, let's keep this thing moving, man. Uh, I haven't had you on in a while. I'm curious to see 
what uh, your thought is on the new coaches. We got Corey Unling and uh, Combs coming in as a special teams coordinator. Guys, uh, special teams coordinators about uh, fresh out of college. I mean, the guy's like just barely turning got 30 a fresh years old. haircut too. <laughs> He's wearing the open <laughs> shades, almost got the half mohawk. <laughs> running, running down the field with the punt returner. I mean, he's got a lot of gumption to him. He seems like, again, the Lions have done this before where they're trying to find the young coach, the next guy, you know, somebody that's really got something I'm curious on your thoughts because my quick thoughts are these are two guys that Patricia's seen from afar. He likes probably their moxie, probably likes their coaching style, and he thinks that by bringing them in, he can just create a cohesive unit that can be uh, smart, tactful, you know, be able to uh, bring the type of juice he wants at all the different levels as well as – like you say, get a couple coaches that, yeah, they might be under the radar, but doesn't mean they can't coach football or they can't coach under a head coach like Matt Patricia. Yeah, and anytime you have a promotion for any type of coach, it's always so difficult to know or project how they're going to do. Because uh, you just look at, like Combs, like Braden Combs, for example, was an assistant special teams coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals. And Cincinnati Bengals, actually, how bad they were, had one of the better special teams units a year ago. And you look at it, it's like, okay, well, how much did – how much was it the actual coordinator and how much was the, the assistant coordinator? Yeah. The assistant coordinator probably learned quite a bit, but how big is he in or how much of an influence does he really have with how good that special teams unit is? So it's, it's a projection. You want to say that he learned from one of the best and that he should go on and be able to replicate from, you know, kind of give his thoughts and what he learned and uh, you'd hope to find success too. So I, I never really go too strongly one way or another when there's new coaches that come in because you, you just never know. And there's so many different things with the situation or if there's mentors or um, just the team that they're on in general, it's really tough to kind of parse out how much credit that that specific coach deserves. And then you give a promotion and you see it all the time with like offensive coordinators that become head coaches or defensive coordinators that become head coaches. It's like, they're just a great coordinator, but that's what they are. They're not necessarily a great head coach. And that's the same with a guy who like Corey Undlin, our new defensive coordinator, who's been a defensive backs coach, a majority of his career. And he's pretty highly regarded around the NFL. Uh, you don't, he's never been a defensive coordinator before. So how can you really say if he's going to be good or bad? You just have to assume that, you know, Matt Patricia and the rest of the, the media and kind of outlets that you've seen talk up Corey on that they know what they're talking about, but it's, I'm happy. Semi happy with the Underland hire. I will preface it by saying anytime that you have a coaching staff that is under the gun and know they have to win now, it's like, why, how can you really get a defensive coordinator that's well-established and has a ton of experience to go to the lions when potentially it could be a one and done type of year. You're going to probably have to get a guy like Undlin who's looking for a chance or a shot to, to bring in. And, you know, Matt Patricia knows Corey Undlin. He calls him a friend. Uh, that's something I didn't want. I will say that. I didn't want to just Matt Patricia to hire another friend. But it's not like when he calls him a friend, I think these NFL coaches probably have a ton of friends in the league. They probably have friends all over. 
but you look at where Undlin's been, it's a lot different path than what Patricia's taken. They've only spent one year together on the Patriots, and then Undlin has been under plenty of other very successful defensive coordinators, most recently with former Lions head coach Jim Schwartz, in a very aggressive man scheme. So that man scheme fits well with what Patricia wants to do. But if, if Undlin is allowed, and I really hope he has just the latitude and like the autonomy to to really maybe bring some wrinkles in and be a little bit more aggressive. And you, you, you'd think that Patricia's probably still going to be the one calling the shots on defense. You just hope that Patricia's open enough and knows Undlin well enough to take, you know, some constructive criticism on a defense maybe or things that he would do differently and implement them. Because honestly, we saw what Matt Patricia's defense was last year and it wasn't good. Some changes need to be made. So that's, that's kind of my thought on Undlin. It's like, I don't want to get too hot or cold on him. I understand the hire. I like that he has an aggressive background and I just hope that he can kind of at least bring some of his own philosophies into Matt Patricia's defense, but at the same time, still mesh, still have like a cohesion and understanding of each other and what the common goal is of the defensive scheme. Yeah, lots of good stuff right there. I mean, a couple things to what you said, you know, when you're talking about the friend thing, I mean, I I agree with your point. Like these, this is a fraternity, man. All these guys know each other. Every, Everybody that doesn't want to like the hire will quickly say he's just hiring a buddy. Well, that buddy's been in the league for a long time coaching football. Um, we need help at the DBs. Like <laughs> if he can coach up right. our DBs, that could really help this defense. And, uh, you know, some of the things I've watched on him, he just seems like an intelligent guy, a guy that can relate to his players. I've read some good things about him. Now, the other negative that I saw right off the bat that always somewhat worries me is, yeah, I like looking for the new young hire that is going to be here for a long time and be really great. But I do get a little concerned when you haven't been the coordinator. I feel like we took a big step on offense when they brought back an established coordinator, Daryl Bevel. The guy has done it at a high level. He's been to the big game. He's called the plays under pressure. And I feel like that really helped our offense. So to go back to a guy, and like you said, to me, if he's not calling the plays, if he's um, motivating the players if he's helping maybe be you know how sometimes they'll have good cop bad cop like maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe unling is gonna be halfway good cop when matt patricia is killing people for their mistakes and then on game day matt patricia is still gonna be calling it into the headset but unling's gonna have his hands all over in-game adjustments player moves you know what kind of formations and, and blitzes we're bringing that that can work fine. You know, I, I got no big issue with that overall if that's where they're going. Now, of course, they're never going to tell us that until we actually see it on game day. But that, you know, takes a little bit of the worry off that he has not been in that position because of who our coach is at this point. And Combs, to me, is a guy that, like you said, at least he learned from the best basically in Cincinnati. To me, special teams is always, you know, talked about in this grandiose fashion, like, oh my gosh, special teams is the most, you know, it's so important. It's a third of the game. Like most of the time we're kicking it out of the end zone now, you know, yep. you're trying to pin people deep on punts. <laughs> and yeah, we'd like a, a punt return or two that was worth a dang. But other than that, you know, you just got to be solid in coverage. I feel like this guy has the type of youthful attitude that you would like on special teams. Um, he seems like he wants to be right in there with the players. He, he, you know, we'll see how he's going to be when he has to crack the whip a little bit. 
but I don't mind that. And one name, this guy isn't a new coach, but I want to talk about him for a minute. Hank Fraley on the offensive line, you know, Davidson stepped away. There's been some really good. We're recording a little bit early before we get too deep into the week and the weekend of the senior bowl, but I've read great reports that, you know, he's been doing great things with the offensive line at the senior bowl. The players love him. I've heard that scouts have really been impressed by the way he's coaching his temperament, his way of doing it. I mean, that's another possible positive is that maybe this guy can get a few of our other players going. You know, some people are down on Wagner and Decker. A lot of people love Rag now, and we've got two guard spots to figure out. So if he can be a catalyst to that, that's another really crucial coach that's being brought in that people have questions about. But that's just because he's not this big offensive line name that a lot of people know or, you know, people wanted, um, you know, defensive coordinators that had done it before. Just because they had done it before doesn't mean they were going to do it the next time, you know, but a track record is helpful on the surface, but it's all about kind of what you do when you get in there. So I'm excited about these coaches. It's always a prove it to me type of thing, you know, go out, bring some corner blitzes, bring some things I can be excited about. And yeah, on special teams, be solid, make a few plays, you know, show some energy, and the offensive line, I'd love to get a guy that's, yeah, they like, but I'd love to get a guy that can get these offensive linemen firing off the ball, pushing people around a little bit more and being a little more physical. Yeah, and Hank Braley, he, that's just one of those guys. He's a projection. You know, there's not a lot of experience where you can go on and be like, oh, he's the guy. You have to trust this coaching staff. And they, they liked enough of what he ha- provided to the team that they promoted him. So um, I can't say my opinion has any validity really because it's not like i i know all these other coaches and what they do you have to rely on um the coaching staff and what other outside sources are saying that are in the know and i'm personally i don't know enough about it to really criticize it or praise it it's uh you just got to hope for the best at this point and going back really quick to special teams i feel like special teams is one of those if you have the kickers and you have a punt retainer they can make you look great (laughs) i just want the special teams the penalties need to really be cut down. That was a big issue last year, and they got better. But, you know, just you need the special teams to play clean, no big mistakes. And in certain situations, I think the special teams need to be on point, like if they need to rush onto the field for a field goal or if there's just situationally sound, you know, especially the gunners on a punt, you know, knowing, you know, they can't touch the ball if they go out of the bounds or if a returner – um you know, goes out of bounds and touches the ball at the one, they get the ball. It's like a touchback. You know, there's just those little things that uh, you think would be common knowledge for these NFL players, but it always isn't. But you want to see, you want to make sure that these coordinators are really instructing their guys to know all the nuances of the special teams. But I think for the most part, any special teams coordinator, if you have good kickers and a good, um, a, a couple good solid cover guys and a returner, for the most part, you're going to look good. It's just those certain game situations that you really want to see their coaching come out where these players make smart decisions. Right. And a a lot of these coaches, as we've detailed, have not done it. But here on the Believe in Lions podcast, I mean, you got to do this. I believe, I believe, I believe. (laughs) You got to believe in these guys. Matt Patricia and his coaching staff believe. So, that's all you can do at this point. And the people that want to see, you know, 10 years of doing X, Y, and Z. Well, the Lions are trying to find a couple people that they can both bring up and that can be new and exciting and that don't have the track record. And 
we have to believe in their plan because like I say, they're in there every day, they're doing this and we're just looking from the outside, pulling names that we know or guys that have done it previous years. And sometimes that's not always the way to go. So Logan, before we get to her, I got one more big thing for you where I'm going to make you the GM of the Detroit Lions and get your big ideas for this off season. But before we do that, I just want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Believe in Lions. We're on all the different podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and any other place you might find podcasts. And if you want to sponsor the show, if you want to get some advertisements here, we're going to be doing ads here before you know it on Believe in Lions. You can go to Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and then get you all set up to either advertise on this show or the over 200-plus podcasts that they do on Believe Podcasting Network. Logan, right back to you, man. You're the GM of the Detroit Lions. It's the heading into this 2020 season, the 2020 offseason. We will be at free agency before you know it in early March Give us some big time ideas, maybe maybe needs that you have as the Lions GM, maybe ways people that you're thinking about, maybe how you're going to supplement free agency in the draft, like what you're looking for. And, and even the current players, what kind of current players are you hanging your hat on next year to say, these guys are going to step up. These guys are going to make plays and they're going to help us win ball games and believe in this team as we move forward. <laughs> well, that's a loaded question because there's a lot of different ways they could go, but if I were the GM, I think you have to fix the pass rush, especially if the Lions are going to continue their scheme where they don't want to send blitzers. They want to either bring four or three guys uh, rushing the quarterback. You have to have somebody that can get to the passer consistently and is a threat. I, I always use the word threat because I, Trey Flowers is a really nice player. He's great against the run in the passing game. He gets double teamed all the time because the Lions don't have another threat on the opposite side of him. And Von Kennard is going to the last year into this contract, and he is a nice player. I think the Lions really like him. He does exactly what he's needed to in this scheme. But as far as rushing the passer goes, you don't see him win just off of pure skill. A lot of his sacks are kind of those cleanup sacks. So I'm really hoping that the Lions really look hard, whether it be in the draft or free agency, and find someone on passing downs that can just pin their ears back and get to the quarterback. And I don't know how much the Lions are going to be willing to spend in free agency at the position. Uh, I think there's a few guys that could fit that Jack Backer role because um, it's not a traditional defensive end. It's kind of a hybrid role that uh, it's more like a 3-4 outside linebacker. But the Lions did spend a bunch of money on Trey Flowers last year. They have Romeo Aquara still under contract. Not big money or anything, so you know he's not like a hindrance where we can't do anything because of his contract. But then you have Devon Kennard, who's still under contract, and you just drafted Austin Bryant a year ago, who's still under contract. He, I think, they're trying to develop him to be the next Kennard. So it's like if the Lions do go after one of these edge rushers, um, you know, someone's going to be the odd man out there. But I think that's just the biggest point. Right now, for me, is you have to find a pass rush. And I'm sure you and plenty of other people have seen the metrics of the Lions, on average, bring the fewest guys per pass rush, and they also allow the most time to throw. So it's like, I don't think that's a recipe for success, but maybe that's just the scheme. Maybe the Lions are happy with that, but I have to imagine they know that you know, being second to last in the league in sacks, that's not going to win you a lot of games. You need to 
need to bring the pressure. You can't put it all in the corners, but I, I don't know. Is that does that answer your question? I think I could talk about every single position. I could talk about the draft. I could talk about free agency. I just think the emphasis really needs to be on defensive line getting pressure this year. Yeah. Um, well, first thing as a GM that you need to do, Logan, is get a new cell or a new connection because you're killing our audience, man, with this uh, <laughs> cutting in and out on us. So put that on your on your GM budget, new, new phone, new headset, whatever we got to do to get this done. But uh, here's my <laughs> I can't afford it. I... <laughs> yeah, you need a couple more W's from this team, I guess, to get a new phone plan yeah. or something. But um like let me take it for a second because like i knew you were gonna say pass rush and you're gonna say defense here's what i'm trying to cue up the people for the the believe in lions listeners because the easy answer the frontline answer is pass rush and and focus on defense i'm telling you right now i'm warning everybody that even though I agree with those and I think that that should be a focus, the Lions are going to do a couple things. They're going to be way outside of that box, either spending a lot of money on another wide out or running back, or they're going to pay big for offensive linemen again. Like they're not just going to follow this cookie cutter thing that the fans have of just uh, loading up on Ed's rushers and new linebacker and think we're good. Like they're, they're going to have a different plan and you have to evaluate each move in my opinion at its surface level. So when I'm going in the off season, like I'm keeping my options wide open and saying like, I'm looking for good football players to no matter where they come from. And I'm not just going to totally focus on one side of the football because I still feel like, yes, we can bring Danny and Mondola back at 35 years old. We could also either get a better free agent or invest highly in the draft to pair somebody with Kenny. And that could really help this team. Like nobody wants to say, um, you know, what if the lions had a crazy top end offense? Uh, that's what the Chiefs are doing. That's what some of these other teams that are making deep deep runs are doing in the NFL. So the Lions had a really good offense this year. What if they just added to that? What if they do go beef up the defense, but they also beef up the offense to try to reach that balanced squad they have? So um, my focus right away, if I'm going defense, would be like I I got to find that other corner other other side of Slay, but I don't know that I want it to be a top end rookie. I mean, I, you assume the guy's going to be a stud. You assume you can just have him, but you also could probably get a mid aged vet that's been in the league that knows how to cover that knows schemes that can be physical, put him on the other side and then go use that draft pick for, um, you know, a more impactful edge rusher defensive player. Or like I say, I'm not totally getting offense out of the game like second round third round if an offensive player is staring you in the face that can make your offense somewhat unguardable and can really open the game up I'm willing to go that route so I just think as a fan base and as the Lions uh, people that look at the Lions from afar like we need to know that they're going to do a few things outside the box and we have to understand that even if we wouldn't have done that it might not be a bad move and two if they do a few offensive moves, you're going to have everybody screaming, why, why aren't they just going defense? I hear people every day on Twitter, just just draft all defense. No. <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> draft really good football players at any at value spots as the draft falls yep. and add those to hopefully guys that are coming up, like Tracy Walker. Hopefully Trey Flowers will be better. I'm hoping for a Jared Davis and a Jelani Tavai combo meal that ends up being much better in 2020 than what we've seen uh, in the past. If, if 
healthy and I feel pretty good about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but if I know if I add a few play, uh, people that we could be really explosive on that side. So that that's my shopping list is just keeping my mind totally open, totally not just focusing only on defense. I think there's still offensive things that can put us over the top as well as kind of just being ready for those moves that I don't understand and hoping that this time they come around and they make sense later where it's like, wow, we didn't like that right away, but what an addition to the team. Well, that's kind of the crazy part too, is you look at just about every position and the lions have invested in pretty well-rounded. They've been everywhere. They spent money on Justin Coleman as a, another corner and even Rashawn Melvin, you know, you thought he might be okay. Uh, he started off the year good, but you know, it's kind of sour. Then you look at the linebackers. You could definitely upgrade at linebacker, but again, their top four linebackers from last year are all returning. So I think the only glaring hole I feel like the Lions think they have it will probably be at guard. And guards is one of those positions like, well, do you want to pay top money for a guard? You know, Lions try to do it with TJ Lang. Uh, injuries kind of derailed that plan, but you could. And the draft, you can't just pigeonhole certain positions at every pick. You have to go with best player available. And for a team like the Lions, they really need to draft difference makers or guys that can come in and make an impact and not just draft or reach for players because maybe they fit your scheme perfectly or because you have a huge need there. You got to guys, you got to get guys that can come in and contribute right away and really have high ceilings. And I don't know if that's ever been the case with Bob Quinn. We'll see if that changes this year at all with his ultimatum. He's kind of under to win now. But, yeah, in, in free agency, I'm all for the Lions are right in the middle of the road in terms of their cap space. So they, they have to be semi-frugal. They can't just be going throwing a bunch of money everywhere. They kind of got to pick and choose their spots. And I'm hoping Quinn will spend some money at certain positions and not just get I, – I feel like Quinn has done a lot of this in the past where he just goes out and – He'll uh, throw some money here, throw some money there on depth role players, but then they're not much different than players you could get off the street. It's like they're not impact players, and that's that's where the Lions I feel like are just lacking right now. They they need some impact players, and I don't care where they come from. I don't care if they develop. I don't care if it's from the draft or free agency. It's like just get some players on the field that are making plays and are dangerous. All right, GM, I got a quick rapid fire to get us out of here. Are you bringing back Graham Glasgow? I would try. I don't feel great about it, though. Are you extending Kenny? Yes. Are you okay with Jelani Tavai maybe at middle linebacker moving forward? Um. Yes, but does that mean Jared Davis would move to the outside? Yes. Okay, yeah, I'd be willing to give that a try. Are you trading Darius Slay? Uh, <laughs> not not in the offseason. Not in the offseason. We'll see how the se- midseason goes next year. If things aren't going our way, yes, then you trade him. But unfortunately, you're not going to get the same value because he's going to be a rental player. But... Man, I don't want to see Darius Slate go, but if he's going to go anyways and he's going to be gone after free agency, you might have to take uh, whatever you can get for him. 
<laughs> Can we finally fix the running game? It's only been since 1999 before Barry walked that we actually could run the football. <laughs> the odds would say no. <laughs> but <laughs> if they do something with the guards and maybe the second round pick, there's probably going to be a pretty good running back on the draft board. So we'll see if they go that direction. But you look at all these teams that can rush the ball. They're they're dangerous. I really wish the Lions could find a running game. I can't remember the last time. Like, it's just it's one of those things where as a Lions fan, that's why you yeah, can't. It's, it's, it's never remember. happened as a Lions yeah. fan. It's like, well, I I barely remember the Barry Barry years, but right. people associate the Lions just with can't run the football. <laughs> right. Yeah, they got to get that fixed. A uh, couple quick ones. Uh, you said edge rusher. Do you have a name on the tip of your tongue that you would love to have in a Lions uniform to rush the passer? In free agency? Or the draft? Or the draft. Um, free agency right now, Matt Judon, I think, is a great fit from Baltimore. Local guy, Grand Valley. About the same size and dimensions as De- uh, Devon Kennard but can also drop back into coverage when need be, but is a plus athlete and is a little bit more of a threat getting to the quarterback. So he is my dream right now. Um, probably won't happen because I think he's going to be pretty pricey and Baltimore seems pretty dead set and trying to bring him back. So uh, we'll see how would the franchise tag go. I don't know if they'd do that, but he's the dream right now. Okay. He's really solid. I, I feel like he's been in the league a few years. Um, but like you say, local guy and could, um, could definitely help us just by where he's been. I love getting Baltimore players, you know, some of the Steelers guys, guys that are in these programs that are just, you know, established and really know what they're doing on the football field. Last one for me. Um, you didn't really address that number three pick. I mean, you are the GM right now. I, I know trade down is the answer, but if that's your first option, great. But um, I also would like, if you're stuck at three really early in the process, your dream scenario or what you would be hoping for as Logan Lamarandier, GM of the Detroit Lions. Well, you hit it on the head. The dream scenario is a trade down, just a few spots, pick up some more draft capital and still probably get the same player you could get at three. But uh, you, know what I, if, you know what I think if the Lions trade down? that's about exactly (laughs) exactly i mean i'd be willing you'd hope that the trade value would be higher but i'd be willing just to have like a extra third round pick to move down to five because you're still going to get a great player at five it's like i don't care what miami wants to offer if they're the only team that offers you a trade take anything and just move down to five because you're still going to get a great player but You'd exactly. hope that there's going to be a, a little bit of a bidding more, maybe to get up to three. Um, can't say for sure right now, though. But back to the original question. Number three, if we were stuck at number three, no trades, and you assume Chase Young um, and Burrow are off the board, I would go right now, at this very moment, Jeff Akuda, just based off his film. He looks every bit of a top corner prospect. With uh, Darius Slay, you know, you don't really know what his future holds. Uh, there's some uncertainty there, and we still need a second corner. Amani Aruarie <laughs> looks good, but uh, still, I think it needs to develop a little bit. And um, you'd have a nice pair of young corners if Darius Slay does, in fact, depart or is traded. 
And I think uh, would be cornerbacks. Yes, there's usually a learning curve, but you've seen a couple good ones uh, like Javius White and Marshawn Lattimore that have come into the league right away and put up solid numbers. So I think Akuda can be the same. And depending on the combine, I think he'll be just fine at the combine, but he looks every bit of the type of corner that you'd want that can be an eventual lockdown corner. And that's super important, especially in this uh, Matt Patricia defense, because you got to have guys that can cover for long periods of time. That was amazing, bro. That was amazing, bro. Logan, it's been amazing, bro, to have you. Thank you for uh, talking it through. Always fun to talk Lions football with you. I know that you believe in the Detroit Lions, and so do I, especially heading into 2020. So hoping to have you back, man, on, on a somewhat regular basis. I know we've got crazy schedules, and, and definitely on Believe on, in Lions, I'm trying to do free agency talk on one show. I'm doing draft on another show. We're doing hot takes with my buddy Stefan on another show, and it's always great when I can have you on and talk all things Lions. We kind of covered – coaching we talked about the offseason we talked some draft we talked some free agency um all types of stuff here on the show it was great to have you on man thanks a lot well yeah thanks for having me and uh, next time i'll see if i can upgrade my burner phone <laughs> yeah man we gotta we, we gotta get you on a verizon plan or something but we'll, we'll make it happen and uh just been fun having you on everybody check out all his stuff on si lion lowdown hit him up on twitter he's always giving some great stats about the lions and look for him on all types of these radio shows and stuff, especially as this thing gets heated up. Because we're in a little bit of a down period. But before you know it, when free agency and the draft and everything gets going, um, Logan will be all over the place. And they just thank him for coming on Believe in Lions. Everybody out there, we'll be back right here next week, next Monday, with another Believe in Lions. Thank you so much. Everybody take care. We're out. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.